here. Today I want to kind of start talking about what we're going to bring up for the rest of the month. So last week we talked about forgiveness as a catalyst to us stepping out of one level of health into another level of health. And if we don't have a if we don't have that forgiveness tool in our heart, it's hard for us to make it to the next level. It's hard for us to level up when we refuse to forgive. Um, my mindset of what health looks like, a lot of the times, like we think, you know, be healthy. Well, all of a sudden we have flashbacks of like kale, you know, and, and carrot chips. And, you know, like immediately our brain goes, a treadmill. Oh my God, no. Like, so don't, don't let your brain sabotage you into thinking that being healthier next week is worse than where you are right now. Think of it like you have the plague. And next week, hopefully, you are healthier than this week. Because it's not like you're trying to get out there and run 14 marathons together. We are trying to fix what's going on in our heart, what's going on in our head, what's going on in our body, so that next week we are more able to walk in our identity than we were this week. My viewpoint of, uh, of health, or my, my mental image of health, imagine like a crib. You know, you got a sweet baby, not a screaming baby, but a sweet baby. Not to say that screaming babies aren't sweet, but you know. Sometimes they can be a little frustrating. And above that crib, there's like one of those little mobiles. You know, it's got the whale and like a dolphin and a starfish, seahorse. You know, the mobile has all this stuff that's hanging off of it. Well, that's how our health is. On one branch, we have our physical health. Another branch, we have spiritual health. We've got our mental health. And our mental health is our thought life, our emotions, kind of the soul part of us. And then we have our relational health. Anytime that you improve in one of those areas, it's going to help the rest of it. But anytime you take a hit in one of those areas, the other parts of your, of your health get kind of whacked out. Have you ever taken a hit to your physical health? Have you ever like, gotten sick and all of a sudden you are way more grouchy? Your thought life isn't as great? You yell at the people that are trying to take care of you? Or say you have a pretty poor mental health week? and all of a sudden you start noticing that you get sicker more often. We can't treat any of these things in isolation. So today we're gonna to be talking about our mental health. Um, next week I think we're gonna be talking about our uh, relational health, oh Lord. Um, but know that when I'm talking about this stuff, I'm not saying, okay, today we are only focusing on our mental health because we can't, we can't separate them. Our mental health is affected by our physical health. Our mental health is affected by our spiritual health. Our mental health is affected by our um, relational health. So we're going to like talk about what it looks like to be mentally healthy, but realize if you've got some major medical issues going on, give yourself a break on this mental health. It's hard. If you are living in a chaotic home that's toxic and abusive, and funny enough, my mental health is not great. Give yourself a break. This is hard, okay? Um, nor do I want you to look at me as being an expert on this at all. I have a degree in it, but all that does is open up the door of going, oh, I'm really ignorant about a lot of areas that I didn't know that I was ignorant before. Any kind of, uh, any kind of education does not teach you much. It just tells you all the areas that you don't already know. So. 
the first step that we are going to take in any of these areas, physical health, spiritual health, mental health, relational health, is that we're going to have to own the responsibility for that part of our health on our own. It is not Matt's job to make me mentally healthy. It's not Burton Putman's job to make me mentally healthy. It's not the church's job to make me mentally healthy. It's not my therapist's job to make me mentally healthy. The responsibility is on my shoulders. One of the problems that we run into a lot is that we, we live these powerless lifestyles that my health is always because of somebody else. Have you ever experienced that? I do it all the time. I am not happy because this person is not driving fast enough. I am not happy because this person is standing in front of the sugar and I want to get the sugar. Like, I am not where I need to be because of somebody else. I am not spiritually healthy because my pastor is an idiot. I am not spiritually healthy because our worship team is not like Bethel. Like, I am not where I am because of somebody else. As long as we experience that kind of cycle, you will never take a step towards any kind of health. All right? This is a, a really great um, revelation that I've gotten over the last year. Start taking classes in, in jiu-jitsu, which sounds a little bit more uh, elaborate than it is. All it means is that I go to a place multiple times a week, and I leave more bruised than I went in. <laughs> I have got some nasty ones today. It's, it's awful. I look like I, you know, I live with an abuser. Um, but I pay money for these people to take their frustrations out on me. I noticed one of those funny things, like when I go to the gym, and then the next day, like, I don't really feel like going to the gym. I'm not gonna go. Okay. The coach does not call me up and go, are you okay? Are you okay? I just, I'm worried about you. Everybody at the gym goes, good. Means you're not getting better than me. So it's like a race. If I choose to sit down in the middle of a race, everybody else that I'm in competition with goes, sweet, <laughs> take their spot. The gym offers me tools. If I go to the gym and I go, hey, I need help getting physically better, those coaches that I pay money to will go, fantastic. We will sit down. I can give you videos. Here's a mat. You know, when you go to like a weightlifting gym, all the weights are there for us to use. But if I always go there and I go, hey, trainer, could you lift this weight for me? No, <laughs> they can't. I can't get better by somebody else in my gym getting better. If I don't put the work in on my own, I'm never going to get any better. And I can gripe about it all day long. We get people that come back in the gym. They come once a month, and then they come back, and they're like, how did you get better than me? It's like, I've been here. I've been working on it. I've been watching videos. I'm better than you now. And it's really hard, but that ego hit is really hard for some people. Now, apply that in our mental health. If we always refuse to work on our own mental health, to take the responsibility of going, I need to make decisions to improve my own mental health, if I never make those choices, I'm never going to get any better. But I promise you, if you'll start taking some baby steps, all of a sudden, the things that used to take you out last month, last year, ooh, they don't take me out. Like when that crazy person comes around and they threaten to pull you back down into that toxic cycle, and you're like, 
<laughs> You're not touching me, you crazy person. You know, like you don't get sucked into that stuff. Your life doesn't look like Jerry Springer episodes one after another. We've all been there. Um, I'm also not talking about like, hey, today we're talking about schizophrenia. We are talking about general mental health. It's something that all of us experience. And just because um, you might not have a diagnosis or, um, you know, you've been institutionalized or whatever, just because that you're not at that level of, you know, dramatic mental health, don't think that you can't improve in this area. And if you do have a diagnosis and you have been institutionalized, there's nothing wrong with that. Notice how when somebody comes up to us and says, hey, I have lupus, we don't go, what's wrong with you? If, some, if one of my friends comes up to me and says, hey, I've got MS, I don't go, have you tried not having MS? But we treat that with our mental health. Hey, I'm depressed. Get over it. Thank you. It is slightly easier said than done. Hey, I'm having issues controlling my rage. Have you tried just taking some deep breaths? <sighs> I am now having a greater problem with dealing with my anger issues because you're giving me dumb advice. So I want to paraphrase a story out of 1 Kings. Elijah is sitting on, the, uh, on uh, Mount Carmel, calls fire down out of heaven and slaughters a whole bunch of people. You know, like a good day for a man, you know, like just killed a whole bunch of his enemies, you know, clothed in the blood of pagans, that kind of thing. Jezebel, who was a wonderful woman, um, comes up to him. He has mowed through all of these false prophets. And this lady comes up to him and goes, I'm going to kill you. And Elijah crumbles. Have you ever like had somebody say the wrong thing at the wrong time and it just completely dismantles you? You're not alone. We are all like that. Um, by the way, take a read of the room before you lay some big heavy news on somebody or before you start going like, hey, here's everything that's wrong with my life. Just make sure that the other person has some stable footing before you just go, I think you're a worthless piece of whatever. Oh, well, thank you. So before you just unload on somebody, take a, take a, a thought of, of their mental state. I'm going to kill you. And Elijah goes, see ya. Tucks his tunic into his belt and starts running down the Jezreel Valley. He runs so long that he eventually just collapses. All right? Collapses by a river. And then an angel kicks him in the ribs. He says, you need to eat. By the way, eating can be great spiritual, mental, relational food. There are times that he's just like, hey, you need a snack because you are a horror to deal with when you're hungry. It's me. Hey, you need to eat a snack because the journey that you're on is too great for you. You ever notice like when people say, well, God won't put anything on you that you can't handle? problem is that we get underneath our stuff, we don't feed ourselves, and all of a sudden we buckle. So the things that you have on your shoulders could potentially be too great for you to handle. It's not necessarily God's fault, but when we don't take care of ourselves, we don't have the strength to support 
our calling in life. So you need to eat because the journey that you're on is too great for you. He eventually takes a couple of naps, starts running to Mount, Car- or, uh, Mount Sinai, the place that God gave the Ten Commandments, established you know, the Jewish priesthood. And then Elijah gets up there and just, it's the best therapy session ever. He goes, I'm alone. No one loves me. And I'm here doing the work that you told me to do. And you're not doing anything about it. Like, I'm sure all of us can relate to that. He is throwing the best pity party ever. And so God, like, does this amazing spectacle light show. And then Elijah jumps right back into it. God allows Elijah to say the lie that he is believing twice. I'm alone and there's nobody here to help me. I'm sure none of us in this room can relate to that. I'm the only person that picks up around this house. I'm the only person that has a job and I'm having to support you deadbeats. I'm the only person that prays as much as I do. I'm the only person that has this spiritual truth. I'm it. There's no one here to help me. And God goes, hey, I've got 7,000 people that are doing the exact same thing that you're doing. He hears the lie, replaces the truth, and then he goes, get back out there. It's like, you didn't pet my head, you didn't rub my hand, you didn't give me some milk, nothing. You told me that what I was believing is not true and get back to work. Elijah had the ability to either go, God, you don't know what you're talking about. And I continue to live in that lie, which is what all of us do all the time. I am offended that you weren't more compassionate when you gave me truth. I've said that a thousand times. You know, when somebody gives you some truth and it's like, you could have filed the edges off of that, you know? Like, you could have said it in a nice way, like lit a candle before you said, hey, maybe you're the problem. Ugh. That, that can't be true. I can't be the problem. It's always everybody else's fault. But he chose to believe the truth that he's not alone. He rose up, anointed Elisha, his successor, and went about the rest of his call. Brought spiritual revival to Israel because he got broken out of a cycle of lies. In the church, we have greatly overlooked our mental health. We over-spiritualize everything. Hey, I'm depressed. Have you prayed? You know, you, like, you can't pray away a bad diet. You know, like, if you're, if you're diabetic and you eat a donut, you're allowed to do that. But then you can't eat a donut and then go, God, why? <laughs> you ate the donut. It's, it's, it's not a spiritual matter. There's not a demon that pops up out of the abyss going, you need to eat a donut. Maybe sometimes. It feels like it. Um, it's not a spiritual matter. It's a physical matter. It's your glucose level. There's no angel that's in charge of heaven, like, monitoring your glucose level. It's a physical problem. You need to treat physical problems with physical solution, f- solutions, spiritual problems with spiritual solutions. We need to attack mental problems with mental solutions. All right? So this isn't a, if you pray hard enough, you'll come up out of depression. No, there are simple, well, it's not the most effective way to do it. You will get to the end of your life, you will be beat up, and you'll be tired. There's an easier path around the mountain. There's an elevator here. No, I'm going to struggle up the mountain to prove to God how amazing I am. That's not not how that works. There is a continuum of mental health. 
It's not either I am hallucinating weirdos or I am perfectly healthy. There's a continuum. You know, some thoughts and beliefs that we have are incredibly harmful to ourselves and to the people around us. That is unhealthy. You know, thoughts when you look in the mirror and you're like, well, you're worthless. No one likes you. Incredibly unhealthy thoughts to have. Incredibly healthy thoughts to have. This is who you are. Not necessarily that you're a Messiah and that you're God's gift to everything, but this is who you are. I am fully confident in my identity. Are, when you get into a relationship, are you bringing toxicity into the relationship or are you bringing life into the relationship? And it's not either or. You know, every area of our mental life is, you know, a mixture of all these different things. I have some incredibly unhealthy habits. I have some incredibly unhealthy thoughts. I have some incredibly healthy thoughts. So that's this continuum. And if we don't constantly check up with ourselves, we never know where those are. So like one of the first things that we're going to have to do is we're going to have to take an honest assessment of where we are. I have to think about my thoughts, which is a little difficult sometimes. Have you ever been stuck in, I don't know if anybody like struggles with depression or anger, but it is this like roller coaster that you're on. And it's like, hey, you need to pause and think about your thoughts. Well, I can't because I want to run my car off a road. No, I get that. Do what you can, when you can, where you are. If all you can do is take a baby step today, take that baby step today. And if you can't, tomorrow is a brand new day. We can start off a brand new day tomorrow. When you're having one of those thoughts of my sister is the Antichrist or my kids are horrors or my kids hate me, I'm an awful mother, I'm too fat, I'm too skinny, I'm not any of this, I don't think that I can trust my friends, my friends don't really like me. All these thoughts that we're thinking in ourselves, we don't even notice that we're thinking them. I have, I'm a verbal processor. I don't know what thoughts are in my head until they come spilling out of my mouth. I don't know if you've noticed that about me. But when a thought leaves my mouth, I'm like, hmm, I didn't know that I was still frustrated about that. Okay. I, I need to have friends in my life that I can bounce things off with. So one of our first steps is we need to have an honest assessment of what my thought life looks like, what my emotions look like. And if I need to be in a community to say, hey, this is what I do. You need to figure out what works with you. What works with me is when I have a thought I call one of my friends and go, hey, I am thinking this thought. I don't need them to do anything about it. I don't need them to call the National Guard. I don't need them to like show up at my front door. I'm just communicating. I'm letting somebody else get in my headspace with me. They don't even have to say, no, that's wrong. Because where I am right now, I can go, eh, I know that I'm believing, I'm being tempted to believe this lie. But if I can get somebody else in here with me, that lie isn't as convincing. Like... I'm really unhealthy in whatever area of my life. No one's ever going to love me. No one's ever going to marry me. You know, whatever thought that you're dealing with. And it's all incredibly specific to your life. Your lie that you believe in your head is tailor-made from the devil just to mess with you. Elijah's lie was that he was alone. So you need to let somebody in, have an honest assessment. If you're a journaler, journal. Whatever way that you use to figure out what your thought life, what your emotions look like, you need to walk into that. Um, another thing that we're going to do is we are going to learn what mental health looks like. Not just an absence of hallucinations, 
what mental health looks like. Not an absence of mental disease, mental health. I'm going to go research. If I'm struggling with depression, I'm going to go talk to somebody, a therapist. By the way, in this church, never feel less than perfect if you have a therapist. I have a therapist. I recommend everybody going to therapy. When I say, hey, you need to get into therapy, it's not like, oh God, is it that bad? Yes, we are all that bad. We all need doctors. I need a dentist. I need somebody to cut my hair. I need a therapist. I understand that it's, it's expensive and prohibitive. Whatever you can do, get with what you can do. If you can get in a small group here at the church and use that as like a stepping stone of therapy. Small groups are not necessarily therapy, but they, they can meet that role until your life is in a place that you can, you can go get some professional help on that. We're going to learn, if it's just I need to watch some YouTube videos about some tools on how to break myself out of depression, great. If you need medication, okay. We would never ridicule somebody for taking medicine for their MS, right? We will never ridicule for somebody from needing some psychopharmacology. It's not for everybody. And just like, my, like I take medicine for my blood pressure, not all blood pressure medicines work with me. Some of them make me want to, like, it's like uh, taking a Benadryl. Some blood pressure medicines make me pass out. I've found one that doesn't make me want to pass out, so I stick with that. None of you guys would ever ridicule me for taking blood pressure medicine. So let's not ridicule other people for uh, getting some, you know, medical help. Um, get into small groups. There are tools that you can use to assess your thoughts. You can get them from the internet. By the way, the internet's kind of a mixed bag. It's like going to Walmart to get something to eat. There is broccoli there that is a great thing to eat, but also at Walmart there's Drano. Some things you want to eat, some things you don't want to eat. And one of the tools that we need for our mental health is being able to go onto the internet and going, Drano, don't, dr don't drink that, don't eat that. Broccoli, do eat that. If you need help finding the good parts from the internet from the bad parts of the internet, I could talk for five hours about that. Most of it's psychotic and you need to stay away from it. And then we rinse and repeat that process over and over and over for the rest of our life. We never get to the place that we are 100% perfectly mentally healthy. Like, I have arrived, I am God's gift to mental health. No, therapists have therapists. We are all in this cycle. I, I will never do enough push-ups to where I'm eventually like, I never have to do anything physical ever again. I think that. Now, like when I go to the gym and I see people like flexing in the mirror, it's like, why are you here? You're done. What else do you have to work on? You're good. It's not true. We always have areas that we can work on, physically, relationally, mentally. I want to remind you that you are not your thoughts. You are not your emotions. Just because you have thoughts that tell you that you are worthless, you are not worthless. You are not your thoughts. You are not your emotions. You are experiencing these thoughts. You are experiencing these emotions. When I go outside and I look at, you know, the landscape, you know, there's a rock quarry and there's a road, but there's flowers. I don't all of a sudden have an identity crisis and go, oh God, I'm a rock quarry. And I see a road and I'm like, I'm a road. 
I don't have a thought of anger and hatred and go, well, I guess I'm an angry person. I guess I, I hate everybody. You're not going to have a temptation flash through your mind to hit somebody with a car and go, well, I guess I'm a murderer. You are not your thoughts. You are not your emotions. And when you can divorce yourself from those feelings, then you can start getting kind of uh, your ability to assess your thoughts and your ability to assess your emotions start, starts getting a little bit better. When you're in the middle of a depressive cycle, I can only kind of speak to what I deal with. When you're in the middle of it and the weight of anger, depression, uh, revenge, jealousy, you know, all that, all that nasty stuff, when, when all of that weight is on your shoulders, it's hard to even budge an inch. Okay, so there's a guy at our jiu-jitsu gym. He weighs 300 pounds. He is a big old boy. And it's like pure muscle. The man's just psychotic. When I don't keep him off of me and he gets on me, I, I don't have the strength to push him off of me. Some people in the gym do, and I don't like them. They just bench press this guy off of him. And I'm like, or the coaches give this wonderful bit of advice. Stand up. Thank you, Jonathan. I'm working on it. But what we, what we have in jiu-jitsu is this concept of, like, I, I have to gain small victories. If you're laying on my ribs, you're hurting my ribs. Okay, well, can I, get, can I get my arm in here? If I can't get my arm in there, can I get my knee in here? And gain these little victories to push him off of me, to upset that balance. I agree. Oh. <laughs> I gain these small victories so that his weight is diverted off of my ribs and onto the ground. And once that weight is onto the ground, I can get up and run out the front door. So when you're dealing with depression, like I, I think just like judging by people's eyes, I don't think any of us are just in the throes of depression right now. But looks can be incredibly deceiving. If you're dealing with this, if you're dealing with anger, if you're dealing with unforgiveness, if you're dealing with jealousy, if you're dealing with these toxic relationship, relationships, the goal is not to leave this place and just instantly be perfect. But what can you do? Can you get an elbow in? Can you get a knee in? So that you can start working your way to divert the weight of those thoughts somewhere else so you can get a little bit of freedom. I'm not my thoughts. I'm not my emotions. You need to get around people that know what they're talking about so that you can process this stuff. It's one of the reasons why we have church is because we are a family of people that are just trying to do the best that we can. None of us in this room are experts. There are some of us that are better in the mental health area than others. There are some of us that are better in the physical health area than others. So I get with people that know what they're talking about and I listen to them and I go, hey, Here's the things that I'm feeling. Here's the things that I'm thinking. I'm honest with my friends and my family. And I learn something from them. Okay, I might try to put that into practice. And then I have to practice. I actually have to work on it. Just because I have information doesn't mean that I'm putting it into practice. I have to put this stuff into practice. And if I can't find anybody to teach me the, the right move in order to divert the weight of depression off of me, I go searching for it. I go talk to people that do this for a living or I go find TED Talks that actually know what they're talking about because not all of them do. I go find the information and I go put it into practice. 
And then I do it over and over and over and over again. But that first step is you got to start being honest with where you are. That's the first step. You can be honest with, hey, I'm struggling with these thoughts. Hey, I'm dealing with this thing. And I promise you, I am not going to treat you like you've got an arm coming out of your head. This, this is not a com- place of complete freedom from judgment because, you know, we don't police this area, you know. But there are people here that you can trust. The, the core leadership of this group is never going to judge you or make you feel less because you're having a rough go of it in a certain area. 99% of the time, we're going to go, yeah, me too. And as we start opening up and letting each other know where we are mentally, emotionally, relationally, spiritually, all of a sudden, all this health starts coming in. Because God can't, can't free us from something that we don't let our, let our hands open with. If we don't give it up, he can't get to it. The door of our cages are locked from the inside. We've locked ourselves into this prison cell. So we're like, God, open the door. I would love to. You got to open up and let people in so that we can get a little bit of freedom. So let me reiterate um, if you are going through a rough time of it, don't beat yourself up. Don't think of yourself as less spiritual. Elijah, the prophet of the Lord, is dealing with some major mental health issues. Jesus in the garden is so worried and, and anxiety ridden that his sweat starts turning into blood. Just because you're dealing with something doesn't make you less spiritual because Jesus dealt with this. And he was perfect. So if Jesus is dealing with this, have you ever seen Jesus have, have like those like little anger flares of like, hmm, a whip, wow. You flipped over the table? You want to talk about it? You know? Like, if I came in here and started flipping over tables, one of my friends would go, hey, you okay? And Jesus was perfect. So just to say that you are dealing with this stuff doesn't mean that you are less than.